Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. When we open up to the first book of the Bible in Genesis, what we find is is God puts into order cycles of things. The morning and evening, the first day of the week, seasons, all natural rhythms for life. And and what we see is, is that we as human beings are actually built for new beginnings. We're built for it. Uh, There's uh, within each week, each day, each month, each year, there's possibilities of new beginnings. We're, we're built for it. There's something hardwired in all of us that appreciates things new. Like we were created that way. Uh, this is why New Year's resolutions happen. Because we have a natural hunger for landmarks in time. This has actually been labeled something called the fresh start effect. Where all of our past failures from last year are no longer relevant. We think those are, and think about this, December 31st, you probably wanted to lose weight. But for whatever reason, January 1st, it's a new day right? It just kind of works out that way. Uh, this fresh start, think, you know, what we think is January 1st, New Year's resolutions, well, those are not me. That's old me. That's not new me. <laughs> new me isn't going to make those mistakes. And God gives us this ability. It really is from him. Uh, one of the things I wanted to hit the reset button on personally this year uh, was my health. Uh, physical health hasn't been a, a big priority the past couple of years. So I told Shelly and the kids, all right, we're going to have to make some changes this year. So eating habits and exercise, uh, a bigger priority for me this year. It's a new beginning in personal health. But what about you? Are you starting anything new this year? Starting anything new? It's a good time to do it. Well, as we come back to our series on the book of Ephesians, answering the question, who are we? What we find in our passage this morning is that in Christ, we are new This is the best new. The old has passed away. The new has come. And so it's important that we then live new. Just because we are new doesn't mean we live in it. And so we want to encourage ourselves today to to live in the new that Jesus came to bring. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. I hope you've got God's word with you today. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, picking off from where we left off six weeks ago. So we've got some catching up to do, but we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. If you don't have a Bible with you today, there's one underneath the the chair in front of you or the one you're sitting in. Welcome to use that this morning and read along with us. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 is where we find ourselves. Uh, If you don't have a Bible at home, I encourage you to take one home from the church. We want you to have daily access to God's Word, not just on Sunday, so it can shape your life. And so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, reading through verse 24, Paul writing to the the ancient believers in, in Ephesus, here's what he says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. 
They've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. If you want truth, it's in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So we've been working through the New Testament book of Ephesians, talking about who we are. I would say that's one of the most important things you can figure out in life. Who are you? And it's important that you look to the right source for that answer. And so we, we took a six-week break as we had Christmas and started off the new year in prayer and, and missions. And so what I'd like to do is, is first do a quick review of what we've covered so far to make sure we're remembering of where we left off. And so to do that, the first thing that we need to do as it relates to our identity is decide, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Are you in Adam or are you in Christ? Very important question this morning. In Genesis chapter 1, we find out who God says that we are. Reading from Genesis chapter 1, here's what God says. God says, let us make man, that's men and, and women, in our image after our likeness. That is who you are. You are a child of God, made in his image. It's powerful. But then Satan comes along in Genesis chapter 3, and he causes us to question our God-given identity. He causes us to question the goodness of God and encourages us to live within our own definition for good and evil instead of trusting in his. He encourages Adam and Eve to achieve an identity apart from God. And this is ultimately the problem. Because our identity in life cannot be achieved. It can only be received. This is such an important principle. Your identity cannot be spoken over you, told to you, except by one person, our creator. He defines who you are. And the fact is, there's really only two categories of human beings in the world today. Those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. There's two. This is how God sees all of humanity and human history. Those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ. And this is incredibly important today because our identities and our eternal destinies, they hang in the balance as to whether we are in Adam or we're in Christ. Here's how Paul sees it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For as by man came death, that's Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead, that's Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. That's really good news, folks. How many are glad that Jesus brings life? He does. And so what we need to recognize this morning is that we're all born in Adam. We all inherit from him an evil nature. We, we all uh, inherit from him separation from God. And so we must be born again. We are physically alive, but we're spiritually dead to God. So we now need to be made spiritually alive in God born again in Christ. This is the foundation of our identity. 
Scripture speaks of believers being in Christ and him and the beloved 216 times. That's a lot. Anything that's repeated 216 times is really important. And it also tells me it's something we need to be reminded of often. So the starting point for you this morning is determining whether you're in Adam or you're in Christ. Have you made a decision to follow Jesus? Have you devoted your life to him? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead? If not, do it today. We'll have opportunity at the end of the message. We always invite people to devote their lives to Jesus. So my, my encouragement is choose to be in Christ. Choose to be in Christ. Why? Because here's our summary statement this morning. In Christ, this is where we left off. We are blessed saints who can endure affliction and who are appreciated, saved, reconciled, heard, and gifted. Hey, that's a good list. Look at all these benefits of what it means to be in Christ. Blessed saints who can endure affliction, who are appreciated, saved, reconciled, heard, and gifted are our primary identity in life. So a review of these statements. Our primary identity in life is that of saint, not sinner. The Holy Spirit enables us to live as saints, but then we also bear the responsibility to walk it out. The old me was a sinner. So maybe your New Year's resolution is, the new me is, I'm a saint, (laughs) right? That's who you are. In our series, we talked about how farmers... Uh, plant and they partner with God to achieve a harvest in due season and how it's much the same for us in Christ. Jesus will do his part. The Holy Spirit will enable us to live as saints, but then we also bear the responsibility to follow through living as saints. Jesus will do his part. Well, we do ours because we can't do Jesus's part and Jesus won't do our part. But what's important is that in Christ, We're blessed saints. We are blessed saints. And in Christ, we also find we are appreciated by God and saved by him. In case you didn't know, God appreciates you. God appreciates you, which is kind of an interesting statement. But think about who God is. God who created the heavens and the earth, he appreciates you. God who's all-knowing and all-powerful, he appreciates you. And I think part of that is because he made you. He made you uniquely you. What we find in Ephesians is that we were dead in sin, living in it, headed toward final judgment, but then God saved us. And specifically, we talked about what he saved us from. He saved us from sin, death, worldly living, Satan, our old nature and the wrath of God. How many are glad God saves? God saves. Thank you, Jesus. But not only that, in Christ, we are reconciled, and then we have the ability to endure hardships. In Ephesians, we find that when Jesus died on the cross, that he broke down the dividing wall of hostility that was between us and God, but he also broke down dividing walls of hostility between us and others. So in Christ, we can live right with God and live right with others. And although there are many kinds of afflictions we might face in this life, The good news is this, in Christ, we can endure any hardship the world might throw at us. Why? Because we have this promise in scripture, we've seen it by experience and in the lives of others, that God works all things together for good 
for those who love him. It's who he is. It's what he does. And then where we left off in our previous message in this series is discovering that in Christ, we are heard and we are gifted. We are heard and we're gifted. That when we pray, God hears us. Pastor Jim shared that psalm this morning. The God who created the heavens and the earth, he hears us. And I love how Paul, when he prays, here's what he says. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. So we can approach God in prayer. And whatever we ask for, God can do not just more, but far more. Gives us a good reason to pray, right? Far more. We have a heavenly father who adores us, who loves his kids, and who invites us to ask and expect for God to do far more abundantly than we could ask or think. Shelly and I were in a meeting this week uh, listening to a retired pastor share. He's, he's traveled um, the world a good bit, and, and the Lord really challenged him years ago to believe the Lord for what only he could do in the supernatural, healing in particular. And I just felt like this morning, as in covering this point, as I was working through this message this week, I said, you know what? That's what we should do. We should expect God to do far more. Why can't we expect him to do far more right now, right? Because that's the God that we serve. So I just wanted to even pause in this message this morning. I think that we should pray and expect God to do far more. And when we talk about healing, so often we think about physical healing and that matters. And we want to pray for that. But can I also say that God heals relationships? God heals minds? God heals emotions and hearts? Like that's the God that we serve. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want us to just put that before the Lord because I know that we serve a God that loves us and desires to heal us. So why don't we do that this morning? So if you're in this room this morning, it might be awkward for you to stand, but I want to encourage you because what I'm going to ask is that you stand and the people that are next to you, if they're not standing, that they pray with you this morning because then I'm going to pray too. So could we do that this morning? If you're in need of healing and physical healing, I want you to stand up because I want you to admit to the Lord, God, I just need your touch because what gets in the way sometimes is our own pride and honestly, some of our own misconceptions or thoughts that get in between there, but don't do that. So physical healing, stand up. If you're in need of uh, healing of relationships, let's stand this morning. If you're in need of, of healing in emotions or mind, let's stand this morning. We need God to do a great work in our midst. Shelly, this morning, as we were talking about this morning's service, she said, you know what? So often we talk about being a witness of him, but here's the question this morning. Do you have something to talk about? So here's my prayer this morning as we're going to pray. As we think about what God can do in the way of far more, here's part of what I believe that he wants to do. He will heal you. We know that he can do that. But I also think part of the far more is then that's a testimony for you to share with others. That if God heals you physically, you go to your doctor and you say, I really believe on Sunday I was healed. Can you confirm that healing? And it is a challenge to his faith too, right? So let's pray for that this morning. If you're standing or sitting near some of these people that are standing, can you pray with me? God, we pray for healing in Jesus' name. God, we know it is your desire to heal, to heal physical bodies, to heal minds and emotions and relationships. And so, God, we just come before you. Your promise in your word is that you can do far more. So, God, that's what we ask for this morning. We just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do far more, abundantly more than we could ask or even think right now as we pray. For each and everyone standing in this room, for those that are standing on Main Street, for those that are standing in their living rooms, God, we just pray for healing in Jesus' name. God, we pray for healing right now for Sandy Ryder. 
God, I know that she has been given this diagnosis that seems untreatable, but Jesus, you are the God of the impossible. And so God, we just pray that all scarring be removed in Jesus' name. God, we just pray it's a testimony to her doctors of what only you can do. And so Jesus, we pray for believing across this, uh, healing across this body. We trust you for that work, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen and amen. May we have things to celebrate. And let me say this morning, we've got our connect cards every week. So we had you already fill those out. But if you know that God has healed you in body, mind, or spirit, can you share that? Because we need to be encouraged. It says in the book of Revelation that the enemy is defeated by the word of the Lord and the word of our testimony. So it's our testimony is a powerful thing. So may we continue to go to the Lord in prayer. Because why? We're heard. God hears us. And he wants to work in our lives. And we also find, and that last part is that we're gifted. If you've devoted your life to Jesus, he's given you a spiritual gift. And I don't know about you, but it's great to get gifts from great people, right? No better person to give you a gift than Jesus. And he's given you one. He's given you a spiritual gift. So you have God-given influence in this world. It's designed for you. It gives your life meaning and purpose. And we also find through Holy Spirit baptism, we have access to supernatural gifts, like gifts of healing. And that's why we pray for that, because we know it's what God wants to do, and he does it today. Can I say, we have an incredible identity in Christ. We have such a powerful identity in Christ. Look at it, in Christ. I'm a blessed saint who can endure affliction and who's appreciated, saved, reconciled, heard, and gifted. Those are a lot of good promises, folks. Those are a lot of good promises. And it's been a while, so we need, to, we need to practice this morning before we get to the end of the message. So you can stay seated for this part. But can we say this this morning? Let's hear you declare this morning who you are. Because the world wants to declare who you are, but that isn't the answer. The answer is what we find in Scripture through God's Word, and this is what we see. So are you ready this morning? Declare it. One, two, three, go. Amen. Amen. That's who we are. And now from our passage this morning, here's what we find. In Christ, we are new. We are new. Uh, Most everyone, even if they don't use biblical language to describe it, they know that something's wrong, that we're not entirely who we could or should be, and that making changes would be a good thing. We know it. And many people have various ways of how they try to achieve this new identity. Some will follow or try to follow rules that kind of helps them live in some kind of new identity. Others do self-help stuff. Some engage in, in social causes to seek new in our world. Others take classes. So there's lots of, of ways that we pursue new in this world. And, and I also want to say none of those things that I've listed are necessarily bad in and of themselves. But in the end, they all fall short of ultimate newness. They do. And so from our passage this morning, we find that we really become new by putting off our old self, by no longer thinking, desiring, or acting according to our old identity as someone who's disconnected from Jesus. We'd pass that along, but instead we live in our new identity that we have in Christ, becoming the new person that Jesus created us to be. We let go of the old and we embrace the new. Paul actually says this is like 
putting on new clothes. And I actually thought this might be a good way to remind yourself of this truth every day. That every morning when you put your clothes on, you can tell yourself, I'm putting on Jesus today. I'm putting on Jesus today. I'm no longer living as my old self, selfish, proud, angry, jealous, whatever the qualities were of your old nature in Adam. But instead, we're putting on Jesus and his character qualities. The ones that we find in Galatians chapter 5, what we call the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to put on love today. I'm going to put on joy today. Faithfulness, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. And I missed some because I didn't quote the verse. (laughs) So many wonderful qualities that we can put on as we put on Jesus every day. This is ultimately what I'm declaring over you at the end of each Sunday service. When I pronounce God blessing over your life, that I'm marking you with God's blessing because you represent him to the world around you. So that priestly blessing, if you look at the context, it says that you're to seal or mark them with my name. That's what we want to do. And so when we put on Jesus, that's what we're doing. We're saying I'm marked by God. I'm marked by Jesus. Because in Christ, we are new. But but I want to take a look briefly at what kind of changes take place when we become new in Christ. There's some amazing things. The first thing we experience is a new birth, a new birth. Not that you remember the first one, right? If you do, that's pretty unique. (laughs) When we're born again in Jesus, we become a new person with a new heart and a new nature. This happens at the deepest level of our being. An indicator that we've experienced this new birth is that God gives us new desires, like reading his word or spending time in prayer and all sorts of other things. It's how we know that newness has come because we We're operating differently. But not only that, in terms of a new birth, we also have a new Lord. Jesus, our new Lord. Here's some good news this morning. He defeated Satan, our old Lord, so that we no longer have to believe his lies, give in to his temptations, or to serve his evil plans. Thank God we have a new Lord. We also have a new heart. God says it this way. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. When God gives us a new heart, he gives us new desires and new passions. You see, we don't overcome sin with rules that deaden our passions. Instead, we overcome sin by becoming more passionate for the things of God. You see the difference? We're not trying to follow rules that deaden our passions. We're just trying to pursue the passions of God. There's a big difference there. So God doesn't want you to be this, like going through life, like no emotion, no passions. Honestly, that's not a good witness of who Jesus is, right? You should be a passionate person, passionate for the things of God and his desires. I've shared this quote before, but it's worth repeating here. C.S. Lewis, he says it so well. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. 
we are far too easily pleased. In Christ, what do we have? We have a new heart, new passions, new desires. So be passionate for the things of God. Be passionate. And this is really all a part of us being new creation. Because in another letter that Paul writes, here's what he shares. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So the New Testament is written in Greek and and the word used for creation here basically means we become a new species that did not exist before. New species, something altogether new. Our very nature is changed by the Holy Spirit, and so our behaviors change because of it. We're a new creation. And as part of that new creation, we have new minds. God gives us new minds to think as he thinks and to love what he loves. And this doesn't mean that we're smarter than non-Christians or that non-Christians are unable to, to come to great insights in areas like medicine and engineering. We know that that absolutely happens. But it does mean that without a new mind in Christ, the things of God aren't naturally perceived or embraced. New minds. In fact, the word repentance means to change your mind. That's what it means. We have new minds in Christ. And then we have this new community. As I shared last week, when Jesus invites us to follow him, he is inviting us into a relationship with him and others in the church. That's his invitation. When we become new in Christ, God puts a desire within us to pursue community with other believers in Christ. So my question is, are you living in community here? Did you sign up for a class last week? If not, sign up online, connectionpointchurch.org, because you have a new community that God wants you to plug into. Because in Christ, we have that new community. And we also have new power, new power in Christ. God gives us new supernatural power to live our new lives. God gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us and empower us to live as his new creation with new hearts and new minds. We have new power. And in Christ, here's one of my favorites. We've got new freedom. We have new freedom. With this new power that God gives us, it comes a new freedom. The ability to say no to sin and yes to God. And that's a good freedom. Because sin traps us. We now are free to live fully for God. That's what real freedom is. And lastly, what really sums it all up in Christ is that we've got a new life. A new life. So think about it. We have a new Lord who provides for us a new birth as his new creation to live fully for him with new hearts and new minds and a new community. He really does make all things new. All things This new life is vastly different from our old lives. This is what Paul writes about from our passage this morning. I want to read it again and think about what he's saying here. Think about the newness that Jesus offers. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. What does God do? New hearts, new minds, new community, new Lord, new life. All of these things new. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, 
You put on your clothes in the morning. Let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Truly righteous and holy. We have new lives in Christ. So I want to encourage you tomorrow morning, as you dress yourself, think about, I'm going to live in my new life in Jesus. I'm going to put on Jesus today. Put on Jesus. That's a powerful way to live your life. Because in Christ, you're new. You're new. So today, as we close, when I ask who you are, we can declare, in Christ, I'm a blessed saint who can endure affliction and who is appreciated, saved, reconciled, heard, gifted, and new. I don't know about you, but who would want to be in Christ? So many good things to be in Christ. What an amazing list to describe who we are today. In Christ, we are new. We are heard. We've been given gifts. You have been saved and reconciled. You are appreciated and blessed. And you can endure affliction as a saint. All of these things are promises from the Lord. So my hope is, is that the series encourages you into who you are. I feel like identities have been shaken the last couple of years, but we need to be firm in who we are. And it's right here for us to be able to declare and claim over our lives because it's in Christ. He secured it. He did it. We don't, but we can walk in it. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we declare this together this morning. Is it on the screen for you? It is. That'd be a lot to remember. Feel free to memorize it if you want. We're, we're going to keep adding to it every week. So it's a long list. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes. Who are you? Amen. Walk in that this week. Walk in who you are in Christ. It's the best life that you can live. And as you're standing this morning, maybe you're here in this room today, and I talked in the first point, are you in Adam or are you in Christ? And, and if you were honest today, you would say, I, I actually, I've never been made new in Christ. But today, you want to make this decision to follow Jesus and be new. Because it's only in Christ that that happens. So if that's where you find yourself today, today is your day. No greater decision you can make in life, but that decision to say, I'm going to follow Jesus and be made new by, by him. So with every head bowed in the room this morning, I just want to give you a space where you can say, that's me. I want to make that decision to follow Jesus and be made new in him today and claim all of those wonderful promises that we just declared this morning. Who here today would say that's me? Just raise your hand before we leave this morning. I want to pray with you before we go. Who today would say, that's me. I want to live in Christ, be made new by him over here on the right. Anybody else that would say, that's me. I want to be new today. I want to follow Jesus and devote my life to him over here on the right. Anybody else that would say, that's me. It's me today. Jesus, we just thank you that you offer us newness of life. I thank you that when you came you dethroned Satan and said, I'm a new Lord. And that is the good news. No longer are you bound by him. You're not bound by his lies and his temptations, but now you can live new in me. You can say no to sin and yes to God. And so God, we just pray for that this morning for those that raise their hands or, or others that maybe have not been walking in the newness of life that you've promised. Jesus, I just pray that you by your spirit would fill us today. 
God, I pray for those that we prayed for healing in Jesus' name. I pray that that healing would come. I pray that that healing continues to come. And God, we just trust you for that work today. God, we thank you for the healing of hearts that have been changed by you that raised their hands and said yes to you today. And God, we celebrate that today. And as we close in song, may we, may we seal our lives in your name. May we, as we sing, we want you, we need you. May we mean it. May we know that that's true, that apart from you, we can do nothing. Nothing of real consequence or worth. But in you, we see that we can do all things through him who strengthens us. And so God, we just pray for that this morning and trust you for that great and mighty work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.